Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. John chapter number 17. And again, we will be reading verse number 1 down through verse number 5. And we will pray and get into the message. John chapter number 17, the Bible said, These words spake Jesus. Let me get things switched around here. John chapter 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in the house of God. We thank you for your goodness to us, your blessings upon our life. We thank you for the songs that we've sang already this morning. We thank you for the truth of those songs. We thank you for the scriptures uh, that we're looking at this morning. We ask you that you would illuminate your word. I pray, God, that you would magnify yourself and allow us in gathering around your word to magnify you, to glorify you, to edify you, to to exalt you. Lord, we ask you, Lord, this morning that you would do in each heart what you would have to be done. Lord, I pray that those that need encouraging, would you encourage them Lord, those uh, that may need other things from the Word of God, I pray that you would do in our hearts what you would have to be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Having considered as we've been looking at John chapter number 17 and looking at the prayer of Jesus Christ, we've considered in general the glory of the Father the glory of the Son, and the glory of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've looked at all three of those things, and we now come to a place in this Scripture where we must look a little more closely at one of the detailed statements that is made in this Scripture, and that's found in verse number 4. The Bible says here in verse number 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. And then he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
the two parts of this statement, of course, are made complementary. It is the Lord Jesus Christ paying compliment and tribute to God the Father. He is making a statement, I have glorified thee on earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He had glorified the Father on earth by finishing the work which the Father had given him to do. He came in order to glorify the Father. And he did all that the Father bade him to do in order to glorify the Father. It was all to the glory of God. As is everything that we find in the Word of God. It is to the glory of God. All things are to the glory of God. And with that being said, with Christ having come to finish the work which the Father gave Him to do, with Him having come to glorify the Father on earth, I want us to concentrate this morning on the latter of that two-part statement when Christ said, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. The first thing we must notice is that the work which was given to Him to do is obviously something that is definite, something that is special, and something that is concrete. It is not just that Christ came and He came and lived on the earth and in His life He haphazardly glorified God. There was a particular purpose, an exact reason for Him coming. And in doing that, it is obvious that you and I must understand that what He came to do was definite. It was something particular and definite. It was something special and it was something concrete. It is not some... General, general inference, if you will. It is not some vague impression, nor is it one of those things about which you and I can make a number of statements without having never quite described it. The work that Christ did is describable. It is something that is not vague. It's not something that, that is something that you and I cannot understand. It is something that was done, that is done with a purpose, and therefore you and I, through the Word of God, can have an understanding of what Christ did. You and I are not going to understand what Christ did if we do not know the Scripture. We're not going to understand what Christ did if we're vague in our understanding of Scripture. That is one of the reasons, and Brother Ricky and I were talking about this before church began this morning, that is one of the reasons that you must systematically look at the Word of God. Not just bouncing around just everywhere you want to bounce around. You will never have, you will never have a 
a real structure, a real build to your life if you do not do things systematically. If I were to build a building, and I, I've, I've built buildings, I've built houses, so I know somewhat of what I'm about to tell you, but if I were to go out to a job site where a foundation was already laid, and I decided when I got to the job site that the first thing that I was going to do and the first piece of wood that I was going to cut to put in place was a rafter for the roof, I'm beginning in the wrong place. Right. It, is, it has to be systematic. A roof will not serve its purpose if it does not have walls to sit on. A roof will not serve its purpose if those walls do not have a floor to sit on. So everything must be done in order and everything must be looked at systematically and done in an order in order for someone to have a structure that stands. A structure that will be able to weather the storms of life. I said all of that to say this. What you and I need to understand in order to convey to those that are lost about the Lord Jesus Christ must come from us having an understanding systematically of what the Scriptures teach of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't, we can't just haphazardly throw things out. It's, uh, there's nothing wrong with me telling someone, Jesus loves you. There's nothing wrong with me telling someone or making a particular statement that may be a statement that may draw their attention. But if I do not have some kind of understanding and biblical foundation to the truths that I know about the Lord Jesus Christ, then what I convey to them is not going to have any purpose or meaning. So therefore, you and I need to understand that what Jesus Christ came to do was a definite job. It was a specific job. It was a concrete job. And it was a necessary job that Jesus Christ told the Father when He prayed in John chapter number 17, I have finished the work Thou gavest Me to do. I have finished the work Thou gavest Me to do. He came with a purpose. He did not just come so we could have Christmas in December. He did not come just so He was born in a manger. He came with a purpose. There was a, there was a definite end to His coming. There was a definite reason for Him being here. There was a definite, definite steps that must take place in order for everything to be where it is in John chapter number 17 when He said, I have finished the work Thou gavest Me to do. It is definite and a particular work. And there are of course many definite statements with regard to this work that we find in Scriptures themselves. And they teach us about Christian salvation. They teach us about what salvation is all about. You and I understand 
as we've seen in Scripture that salvation in and of itself is not about you. It's not about me. It's about the glory of the Father. It's to His glory. And the work that Jesus Christ did, in fact, Jesus Christ made that statement. He said, I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. The work that Christ was given to do was the work, get this, the work He was given to do was the work of restoring men to the fellowship and communion of God. That was His work. That was His purpose. If we were to wrap it up in a nutshell, He was the means by which you and I are called back into fellowship and back into communion with God. Understand, I say back into because we are in Adam who at one time had communion and had fellowship with God. He who was the representation of mankind. He was the representation of all of mankind and He fell in the garden when He sinned against God. And in doing so, Christ came as a representative of mankind to bring that communion and bring that fellowship back to where it needed to be and reconcile those things that had fallen and been destroyed in the garden. The reconciliation of men to God is to bring God and man into the, into the place of a particular fellowship with one another that had been lost and had been destroyed in the Garden of Eden. What was it that made this work necessary? If we're going to understand the work of Christ, and we're going to understand what Christ did, we must first of all understand what made this work necessary. We'll get into the work of Christ here in a moment, but I want us to understand the reason for this work and the reason that it is necessary is the matter of sin. It's the matter of sin. Because it was sin that separated God and man. It was the sin that separated Adam and God. God the Father would never have sent His Son into the world and the Son would have never had to endure the suffering of all that He did and it would have never been necessary if it were not for the matter of sin. It's the matter of sin that made it necessary. And that's the first point I want us to look at. The first thing that made this work necessary was the problem raised by sin. The problem that was raised by sin. And as I've already said, this work is a work which is absolutely essential. And it is absolutely essential this morning because of the matter of sin. Have you ever wondered, have you ever 
thought about when you're reading the Old Testament? Have you ever wondered about the ceremonial regulations that God had given the children of Israel? The things that we find in the Old Testament. I mean, the ceremonial regulations about the burnt offerings, about the the, uh, sin offerings, about the trespass offerings. And the list goes on and on and how long that list is. All of that had to be done. And it had to be done through, in the Old Testament, was done through the killing of animals, the shedding of blood, and the representing of it in the temple. The reason for all of that is the problem of sin. That would have never been in the Old Testament had it not been for the problem of sin. All of those things that was done in the Old Testament was for a forward look at the work that Christ was going to do. It was a forward look and understanding of what God had told them was going to happen. What God had prophesied Himself in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15 where that Christ was going to be the seed of the woman. And that seed was going to crush the head of the serpent. And it was going to, the serpent was going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. All of that prophecy, all of that that was taking place was a nutshell of Christ coming to do the work that was pleasing to the Father. It was made, this work was because of sin. It was because of what had happened in the Garden of Eden. This was not the only thing that made it necessary. There's something else which made it still more necessary. Remember and keep in mind, The reason for the work of Christ, the reason for Christ coming, the reason for Christ being able to say in John chapter number 17, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. The whole reason for him coming, first of all, is the problem of sin. But there is a more necessary reason for his coming, and that is the holy character of God. And we've got to understand the holy character of God is part of the reason why Christ had to come. When we consider the holy character of God Himself before God and man could be reconciled, something had to be done from the standpoint of God and man. From the standpoint of God, You can put it this way. In the same terms that the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter number 3 when he brought up the question in Romans chapter number 3 asking the question, how can God remain just and also be the justifier? It is because of the holy character of God the justness of God, that it was necessary for God incarnate in the flesh to fulfill the work of the Father. 
It was because of God's holy character that it had to be God incarnate in the flesh to satisfy what God required in order for God to be both just and the justifier. He could not, God could not just simply say, I forgive you. He couldn't do it. His very character for Him to have simply said, I forgive you, would have been overlooking sin. It would have been Him saying, that's not really anything of importance. And that would have destroyed the very character of God, the very holy character of God, demanded that sin be paid for. That sin, and let's put it this way, the holy character of God demanded that sin be punished. That sin be answered for. So the very holy character of God, as, as, as Paul has said in the book of Romans chapter 3, brought up the question, how can God be just and the justifier? And we see that in the coming and in the obedience and in the finishing of the work that we see in John chapter number 17 when Christ said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. We alluded some to this last week when we talked about when he made this statement, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do in light of the statement that he made on the cross in John chapter number 20 or 21, when he said, it is finished. When he was talking about here in John chapter number 17, he was talking about completing the righteousness of God. Completing. Not that he was not the righteousness of God, but when he laid aside and understand this, when Christ left glory, he laid aside the glory of God, took on the robe of flesh, lived in this life, walked on this earth, and lived this way so that he, in that flesh, could complete the righteousness that you and I could never complete. He did everything the Father bid him to do. And in doing so, he completed the righteousness of, of God. And in doing so, he therefore could take off our robes of sin and place on us his robe of righteousness because he had done all that the Father bid him to do. It is through that that you and I have salvation. So understand that the first thing that made the work that Christ did on the earth necessary was the problem of sin. Along with the holy character of God. And understand this this morning. The work was something Christ Himself had to do. And he can therefore speak of it being done. There is no one that can answer to it being done 
as He can answer to it being done. Because the work was given to Him. We may, we may work a job. And there may be others around us that may work a job. And they may look at us and think, you're not doing things the way you're supposed to be doing things. Or you're not doing things the way that I'm doing things. But you have been given a task to do. Maybe in a different way. Maybe in a different form. And you're the only one that can go back and answer to the boss man, the job's done. Because you were the one that was given the task to do that work. I cannot answer for Christ and say His work is done only on the authority of the Scriptures that I have in front of me can I say that Christ said, I finished the work that Thou gavest me to do. And I can put full dependence in the fact that Jesus Christ prayed to the Father and made the statement, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And understand that it is a work that Christ had to do Himself. Our salvation would not be salvation if it had not been for Christ doing the work. And therefore, you and I understand because of that, it is not dependent upon our work because He finished the work. He completed the work. He came to do certain things Himself. And we are saved by what Christ has done for us and not by what Christ asked us to do. Can I say that again? We are saved solely because of what Christ did for us, not because of what Christ asked us to do. What Christ asked of me My salvation does not depend upon. What God asks of Christ is what my entire salvation depends upon. If it depended on what Christ asked me to do, I would be in hopeless despair. But resting in what Christ was asked of God to do I am in hope of eternal glory with Him. Amen. Why? Because He finished the work. That's right. I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll go to the end of my day and I will look at Christ and say, I failed. But He never failed. Right. So understand it is not because of what He asked me to do, but it is solely because of Him finishing what the Father asked Him to do. A very good way for us to test whether or not we look at this the right way or the wrong way is to ask ourselves whether we see salvation as something which is exclusively and entirely the work of Jesus Christ, or is, it is, or is it something that we can do in obedience to God? Is my salvation dependent upon anything 
that I do in obedience to God? Or it is it entirely and exclusively what Christ did in obedience to the Father? If you answer that it is exclusively and entirely what Christ did in obedience to the Father, then you are in essence saying you had nothing to do. Can I just can I just put in all capital letters this morning? Can I just put an exclamation point behind the word nothing? Right. It is nothing that we have done. It is nothing that we can do. It is not even our believing that saved us. It is what Christ did on the cross of Calvary that brought salvation to us. It is because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary that we are able to believe in what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Paul puts it this way. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You and I are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You and I couldn't work a good work if it were not for Christ. That's right. You say, what about all these people that don't know the Lord? What about all these people that are doing good things? Their works are still not good works. Doesn't mean that it's not a good thing that they're doing, but it's not good in the sight of God. Understand, what did God say about man's righteousness? It is as Filthy rags in the nostrils of God. Our very best of our very best of our very best of everything that we can do. We can be the best person. We can be, if you were to look up best person in the dictionary, your picture could be plastered right there, but you're still not doing anything to earn your salvation because your goodness is filthiness. In the nostrils of God. So understand it is only in the workmanship of Christ Jesus that we have any rest. Whatever else Christ came to do, we must realize that it was something that necessitated the incarnation of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ so that you and I can have salvation. That is the reason that I make the statement it is something that Christ Himself had to do. There was no one. And and don't misunderstand. I know that we see the Scripture where the Bible says that John wept in in heaven as he was taken there and seen. He wept because no one could loosen the seals. No one could open the book. But understand that God did not search heaven to see if someone would go because Christ the the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as we've seen in John chapter 17 had brought counsel together before sin ever entered the world and had brought counsel together to make a way to reconcile man back to God. Amen. Yes. Yes, that's right. 
They didn't search heaven and just out of the last minute, Christ raised His hand and said, I'll go. No, That wasn't what happened. Chunk that song as far away from you as you can get it because there's no truth in that song. There's no scriptural backing that song. Christ Jesus had already determined that He was going to die for man. And that He was going to forgive man of his sins. Those that would come to Him and those that would believe. He was absolutely sinless. Then let me ask you this question. And I thought about this when I was studying this. Brother Ricky, I told you this morning that as I study this and as I look at this, I almost have those jaw-dropping moments when you think about, wow, I've never seen that before. I've never seen it quite that way. Let me ask you the question. If Jesus Christ was sinless, then why do we find in the book of John that He had to be baptized? Can I give you a little nugget this morning? He was baptized because he was identifying himself with mine and your sin. He was taking the responsibility for my sin and taking our taking our sinfulness upon himself. That is the reason he told John that I must be baptized. Not that baptism has anything to do with salvation, but it is an identifying factor of those that are born again. It is that that thing, if you will, that testifies of our death in Christ, of our being raised again, and our walking in the newness of life. Is that not what the Scripture taught us? Is that not what the Scripture tells us? That that's what baptism's all about. And that's the reason Christ was baptized by John. And he told John that he needed to be baptized because he was identifying with us and he was identifying with our sinfulness and he therefore was baptized. And what happened after that? The Bible said a dove descended on him and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he was doing the work that the Father had bid him to do. What a blessing this morning. Far too often we tend to read the gospel. We tend to admire his perfect life. And yes... He undoubtedly was God as well as man. But we stop at that. If we're not careful, we stop. But we should always look at Christ and see Him honoring God's law. See Him keeping it perfectly. See Him as we should see that He is doing what was our responsibility to do. But yet He's taking on the responsibility to do those things on our behalf. Why? Because He knew that we could not do them within ourselves. John in his first epistle made this statement, Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, man had in sin become subject to Satan. 
And before we could be saved and before we could truly be reconciled to God, Satan had to be conquered. That is the reason that you read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. That the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. Amen. Why? Because the serpent that had defiled the serpent that had deceived the serpent that had caused Adam to fall into sin, that same serpent had to be destroyed. His head had to be crushed. Can I just submit to you this morning that the devil is a defeated foe? Don't, don't get so cocky in that that you want to fight Him within yourself because you have nothing in yourself to fight Him with. But Jesus Christ has already conquered Him. And I reside in the conqueror. What a blessing. We had to be emancipated. We had to be delivered from the dominion of Satan and transferred into the kingdom of God. And it is only Christ who could make that happen. There is no one else. There was no one else. It is not Christ or somebody else. It is not that Christ, somebody else could have taken our place. It is the Holy Spirit couldn't have done it. It wasn't the job of the Holy Spirit. It was the job of the Son to be obedient to the Father. And he did that when he came. Give you this lastly this morning. He was confronted by the final task, which was to deliver us from the guilt of sin. The final task of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was on the face of the earth was to deliver us from the guilt of sin. How did he do that? He did that by His death upon the cross. You and I do not reside. If you're born again, if you're one of God's children, if, you're, if, if God has saved you by His grace, you no longer reside under the guilt of sin. You're not guilty. Why? Because that sin has been paid for. That sin has been punished. You and I no longer reside under that sin. That's the whole meaning of His death on the cross. Before God could forgive sin, sin had to be punished. And what does the Bible tell us that Jesus Christ became on the cross? He who knew no sin became sin for us that you and I might be made the righteousness of God. That is the truth of Scripture. That is what Jesus Christ did. He took from us the guilt of sin. God no longer, God the Father can no longer look at His children and hold them guilty of sin because Jesus Christ, our representative on the cross, paid the price. He's the one that paid the price. God was, and this blew my mind, 
When, when you go back and you look at the whole scheme of things and you look at the whole picture that God gives you and you go back and read certain verses of Scripture, it's like they just pop out. The Bible tells us God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. <laughs> I don't know whether that does something for you or not, but that charges my spirit. To understand that God the Father was in God the Son reconciling the world to Himself as Christ paid for my sin. I stand before God. And if we can get a hold of this, it'll humble our heart. It'll cause us to worship God. It'll cause us to fall down before His face and cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. If we can understand that as I know me and as I understand me, Brother Charles, when I stand before God, I stand before God today guiltless. Because my Savior Paid the price. I stand before a thrice holy God. Guiltless. Because Jesus Christ wiped that guilt away. How dare you. How dare I ever point a finger at somebody that is born again. And hold them guilty over what they've done. Because God almighty. Mighty holds me guiltless because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. How could I ever look at somebody and say, you're guilty? They're not guilty if they're in the Lord Jesus Christ. I plead with us this morning as we consider the things that we've seen one by one, that we consider them daily as we live our life for Christ. That we remember what Jesus Christ did. That we remember the reason for His coming was because of my sin, was because of the holy character of God that He came forth. And in His coming, He defeated that sin. He defeated Satan. And in doing so, Brother Ricky, He took that guilt away from me. And I don't stand before God guilty anymore. That work which He came to do, He came in order to honor God's law perfectly. To keep it. To live it. And He did that. And He could say that in His prayer. He's not... Christ is not just... Christ is Christ. And we understand that. Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. We understand that. But God is praying to God. And He is saying, I finished the work. God praying to God. Saying, it's done. And they're no longer guilty. The guilt's been taken away. He came. To satisfy the law of God. To bear the punishment of sin. To take the guilt and the evilness of sin and place it away from us. He has done thus and satisfied everything that God said 
needed to be satisfied in order for you and I to have forgiveness. In order, as the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, to be brought nigh to God. I don't stand, as a child of God, I do not stand out in the courts. I get to go into the chamber where God dwells. Not because of me, but all because of Him. What a blessing. (laughs) If I could sum it all up this morning, let me say this. I am no longer an outsider. I'm dwelling on the inside because I'm dwelling... I have been taken out of the first Adam and I've been placed in the second Adam not because of anything I've done but because of everything He did. I do not stand guilty before God and God therefore smiles upon His children. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truths of Scripture. We thank You for the truths that we see in this Scripture this morning. Lord, I pray that somehow, some way, would You place that deep, deep, deep within our hearts and help us to understand that we stand before You guiltless, not because of what we've done or not because of what we've accomplished, but because of everything You did while You walked on the face of this earth. Thank you for being my representation. Thank you for being my reconciliation. And thank you because of that for adopting me into the family of God. What a privilege, what a blessing, what an encouragement to know the truths of this Scripture. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.